I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy uh, whatever this is. Happy Easter, I guess. Uh, happy Passover for those celebrating. Otherwise, happy indoors time. Yeah, happy belated religious holidays. Happy, uh, happy March Timber. Uh, I don't know. It's it's March Timber eighty sixth. Last I looked at my calendar. Um, and yeah, this uh, this whole quarantine thing is really uh, really going well. Um, I mean, it is actually having some progress, and we're not going to like dig into you know quarantine talk here. But it seems like everything is at least potentially progressing well. But we'll see. That's a day to day thing. We really need like a couple weeks to start forming trends. So appreciate everybody uh, just playing along, and let's uh, let, let's ride this out as long as we can, so that we can get you know everybody back up and running and safe at the same time. Absolutely. I think all the indications are that it's working as annoying as it is for the, for most of us. Uh, so be bad at everyone. Yeah. So talking about Syracuse sports, because uh, that's what this podcast is about most of the time. Um, one thing SB Nation is doing this week to generate some content around uh, all the team sites, both on the pro and college side, is that talking about best teams not to win a national cha- oh, not to win a championship. Um, so that could be a conference championship. Um, it could be a national championship. It could be a, you know, pro sports trophy um, on the blog. We decided to focus on teams that didn't win national titles. Um, if only because realistically, like, you know, winning a conference championship, there's not a ton of teams. I think like, I don't know. I, I guess to me winning a conference championship nets you so little in college sports. Um, if you're in a power conference that like, it's not necessarily worth belaboring, uh, those near misses over, over the, the the near misses of, of winning a national championship um, on the court or on the field of play. Um, Dan, I want to start with basketball, though. Uh, there's three or four teams that probably stick out. Um, we're going to write about three of them this week, but I think there's definitely a fourth in there as well. Um, who would be like the handful of teams that you would focus in on um, for men's basketball, at least of like the near misses teams that just were like super talented or we're just we're just so good as a group, um, and it's just unfortunate that we didn't get to see them really play for a championship. Um, I think as Syracuse fans, I guess it's like a blessing and a curse that we have a lot of these. Um, I think you can really even expand the list out. I think the obvious ones, the two national championship runner-ups, eighty-seven and ninety-six. I think eighty-seven was obviously uh, the better team, although a lot of people will debate that that wasn't even the best team of that era at Syracuse. Uh, 96 uh, was definitely the underdog in that game. And I think most people feel pretty good about getting there, but i you know, they were well in that game before John Wallace fouled out. And then you, you throw in the 89 team, the 90 team um, I would say. And then obviously from, from our eras at Syracuse or closer to our eras, uh, 2010, 2012, uh, 2013 should probably be in there. They were in the final four. I think 2016 probably is on the outside looking in because, you know, they were very uh, lucky and, and, you know, kind of out of out of plast at the in the UNC game, but um, yeah, 
I mean, I think with those other ones, you name like five or six teams that legitimately had really good shots. I don't know enough about the 75 team to really put them <laughs> in that same group, but obviously they were in the final four as well. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool that we have like, you know, we've been really in the, in the mix a lot over the course of four or five decades. Oh yeah. And I think that's almost the, the most frustrating part about Syracuse basketball fandom in particular is how close we've come in so many tries and why 2003 was such like a, you know, collect like for those that were there and like, you know, I was there, but I was also like only in, you know, high school at the time. So like 2003 didn't resonate with me the same way, even though I was like actively rooting for Syracuse and had been for a long time. Like it, it was another thing. Like if you were somebody who went there or somebody who lived there or somebody who would like attended games at the dome for years, like knowing all the lead up to that and, and how Jim Beheim got the monkey off his back, the history with New Orleans um, in the 87 game, like, all that was such a key part of of the 2003 win. SU came so close, uh, but was so far away, uh, you know, a handful of other times already. I think for, I know me and Kevin are largely running the uh, the best teams not to win a title series, and we're trying to keep it to teams that like didn't get a chance to play for it. But I don't necessarily think that, that we should just leave off those other squads that you mentioned either. I think the 2013 team is a perfect example um, a team that was very good and also got hot at the right time, um, especially on the defensive end, um, where they were absolutely incredible on that end of the floor. Um, and if not for a bullshit charge call um, in that game against Michigan, who knows, like maybe we'd have a legitimate claim to a uh, to a national title if we hadn't beaten Louisville. Um, that title getting stripped from the cards uh, would have potentially allowed us to claim something, even if just on a T-shirt and on a banner that we hung at the Dome. Uh I think that that 87 squad, obviously that was a near miss and, and one that, you know, really should have won a title. Um, the one that Kevin focused on on Monday was the, uh, the 88, 89 team. That was, you know, really, really good. Um, and, and really looking back, I, I like forgot, I mean, granted I was only like one years old, but forgot just how good this roster was. And like, cause I've, I've parsed through this stuff over the years, but like, you know, Sherman Douglas, uh, you got Matt Rowe, Stevie Thompson, Derek Coleman, uh, Billy Owens, Dave Johnson, all on the same team. Like those are a, a good collection of, of top players in Syracuse men's basketball history. Um, and, you know, having all of them in the same group and just running into a buzzsaw of an Illinois team in the Elite Eight. Uh, absolute bummer. Um, absolute bummer as well that, you know, things sort of ended up coming down to, uh, to free throw shooting uh, once again. Um, where I feel like it always does for Syracuse, but 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 this era and in that season and the one before it in particular, um, you know, a whole lot of sorry, not one before it, two before it, uh, as well. Also, just like some real excruciating uh, losses because free throws just weren't sunk at the the proper times. Yeah, yeah, I think the, the teams like the '89 and then like the 2010, 2012. Um, are a little more interesting to talk about just because it isn't like, oh, they lost the national championship game. So obviously, like, they could have won it. Or even 2013 where, you know, they were in the Final Four and you keep the Brandon Trish balls atrocious. But, um, you know, the, the reasons why they didn't do their obvious versus, like, 2010 and 2012, which were so predicated on um, just things off the court, which made them way more frustrating. Like, 89 is tough because it's such a an impressive collection of players and it's like, the best players of that late 80s era and then meeting up with the best players of that early 90s era. And they all kind of like came together. And obviously not everyone was like fully formed at that point. Uh, some were at the you know tail end of their series history, some were early, but um, 
you look at those names and you think that should have been a team that had a, a came a little bit closer. Obviously, going to the late no nothing to stop at, and that Illinois team is quite good. Um, but then, like obviously, twenty ten, you have the the AO situation. I think every Syracuse fan of at least a certain age will tell you uh, and feel very con- uh, with strong conviction that was the best team in the country uh, for almost all the year, uh, except for the couple weird games, and it's a not great Louisville team. Um, and then twenty twelve. I, I, I feel less strongly about that. I know there's some people who swear that was like the same thing. I don't think that team was in a necessarily, I mean, they could have beaten Kentucky. I don't think they were as good as Kentucky, but at least like they would have been in the conversation, probably get by Ohio state with that mellow. Um, so just to have two of those a year apart was so bizarre and so tough. Um, and then to come so close to the following year uh, was also tough. Um, so it's uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating to talk about, but it almost like it's something to hold, hang your head on, especially with the AO one where, you know, the Duke team that ended up winning wasn't that good. Like, they were a decent team, but, like, probably one of the less impressive national championship teams in recent, in the last, like, 10, 15 years. Shout out um, to UConn. Yeah, both UConn teams are worse, but um, <laughs> at least at least the one team at Kemba Walker, who was, like, a fucking monster. Sorry. <laughs> it's supposed to tag. I think it's been a long time since I dropped a, an F bomb on the podcast. I mean, um, you, you, you're you're usually the less likely of the two of us. Yes, that was an exasperated F bomb. Just like Fair I enough. think of the Temple Walker games, the overtime game in the Big East tournament, um, being there when he hit that shot in his pit because we were playing right after. Um, which is like one of those things where like I'm actually it's like kind of cool that I was there, but like I wish it was another awesome moment for Syracuse and not just like I happen to be in the place where a historic UConn moment happened. Um, yeah, so at least, like, it's just tough because I think Syracuse, like, just all year was so impressive. And there's there's no one that seemed to have the, the full roster. Kind of a similar thing where you have, like, some really guys who went down to be the best players in that 2012 team. Plus, you know, Wes Johnson, who I think is almost kind of underrated for how to do was that year in Syracuse lore. Um, and just seven guys who all were incredible and would have started for most teams. So. It's a it's an interesting discussion, and and Syracuse fans definitely relish it uh, in particular. I think. Yeah, I mean, we got into this with the what if conversations, um, just how like many near misses there are for Syracuse, and because there's only one title um, to talk about on the basketball and football side, like it gets more and more frustrating um, to to think about these things. Still, like it it is fun. I think in this case, we're kind of viewing a little more positively of, of looking at you know which of the teams that. You know, we're still great and, and, and should be remembered, you know, as great, even though they didn't make it as far as potentially we wanted to. Um, I know we've talked about like the Syracuse fan experience in general. It is interesting that, you know, you look at from 09 to 2013, I'd say 2014, if you want to include that season. But the 09 to 2013 run was really just an interesting an interesting stretch for SU. Um, obviously, there's a lot of other conversations around that regarding NCAA sanctions and 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 recruiting and, and things that might have one may have led to the other. Who knows? Um, but more importantly, like just looking at just how good those teams were year in and year out. Um, how the 2011 team, which like gets slept on because they got upset in the second round by Marquette, and like that was just a completely like shrug worthy team, and now would be you know one of the better teams of recent vintage. Um, the fact that the 2013 team, the one that made the final four, wasn't even the best um, of that group. They were probably the third or probably the third best, maybe the fourth best, if you if you want to get into it, um, around the 0809 team. It that was a weird but like really fun. And I, I wish I wish I could mentally put myself back in that state of mind. I know a lot of other people do too, just because of 
how fun and like, I wouldn't say consistent Syracuse was, but how fun that basketball was, how, you know, whether they were defensive or offensively minded teams, um, how those players seemed to fit together, um, how Jim made a lot of the right decisions, put them in a lot of big games, won a lot of big games. Um, it was a really fun time to be a Syracuse fan and really, um, you know, one of the extended kind of um, sweet spots for, for Bayheim uh, helming Syracuse. Um, the other being this uh, this late '80s to early '90s stretch that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, it's uh, it's also tough that like things have fallen off. It, it's hard to just look back, and it's not that long ago that we were like right in the national championship conversation. I mean, if you counting honestly, oh nine, even obviously, I don't think they were going to beat Oklahoma or UNC, but at least they were top fifteen, sixteen entering the tournament. They had just come off of a pretty historic Big East run without winning the whole thing. So, like, you count 9 10, I think you pass an 11, they weren't, like, I don't think if they were a national championship caliber team. Um, but 9 10, 12, 13, and then just by by way of, I guess you maybe count 14 because they were number one in the country. They just hit, like, a really bad stew at the wrong time. Um, and then 16 by proxy, just being in the final four. Um, it's, what, five pretty legitimate, uh, five or six pretty legitimate cases for like oh you know a couple things go right and this team could have won a title somehow and that's a that's more than a lot of teams can say for a stretch that short oh yeah like only a handful uh, can and that's how you know su is in that conversation with i mean that that's one of many reasons but i think the most notable reason why su is in that conversation for the top 10 to, to 12 you know kind of program in the country um because for as much as we have this current stretch it just takes one player it just takes one like you know, when Bayheim's done, it just takes one, you know, right higher um, and, and you're right back at it. it. Just takes one lucky run and we have the talent. I mean, other teams have made runs, but like there's a big difference between SU, a team that is perennially like a very good squad, a very talented squad, um, at least historically, and one that gets a ton of exposure versus like a magical VCU run. And like, you know, it, it good for the Rams not to take anything away from them or the George Masons of the world, but, you know, they're not they're not putting themselves in the situation that, that, that SU is year in and year out. And when SU gets lucky, um, it's, it's kind of a byproduct of everything that was built to that point. Like when SU gets lucky, when UNC gets lucky, um, Duke never really ends up in that like lower seed conversation, but it, like UNC has been there. We've been there. Um, Arizona has been in that situation. Um, Wisconsin, some others like where, yeah, it's because of the infrastructure you built that, that you have a chance to go on a run from that, um, from that lower seed for, for us there's like definitely a style thing too of uh, the zone i mean it, there's been plenty written about it and we talked about it every time we're in the tournament but the zone is a very much a thing like there are games where it doesn't go well and even seasons where we don't think we have like our best zone um there are years where it just baffles teams in march so i think that's a an added bonus especially when you're playing a team that doesn't know how to counteract it just doesn't see it so uh definitely uh definitely a fun one i mean hopefully that's what we're hoping for this year as another surprise run and with how we since in that UNC game like I'm not gonna say we would have gotten there or anything I think it's it's still very unlikely we would have but had we gotten there and I, I think it's okay to like half jokingly tell ourselves this like who knows what would have happened so um, I think this team was probably no worse than the 2016 or 2018 teams in reality well maybe 2018 team in reality like that team was super up and down and and was not far off from beating Duke after beating Michigan State so um yeah, you know, I, I think they're, they, it's okay to kind of uh, have fun and in uh, saying what might have happened, even if like 
realistically, we know it was still pretty unlikely of miss making the tournament at all this year. But that's the, the Syracuse difference, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I completely agree, especially on the basketball side. Um, some other teams that we might want to talk about. Uh, we don't really have to talk about them in length. I feel like the 87 football team, um, for obvious reasons, we talked a bunch about them during the football tournament that we did um, and during the what if uh, exercises, obviously. The, uh, you know, they, if we'd had a playoff, who knows, maybe they would have been able to be, I mean, they would have been in a four team event. Um, I don't think they would have been able to beat, to beat those uh, really good Miami team uh, or the really good Oklahoma team or an excellent Florida state squad that probably would have made that field with them. Uh, but they were still an extremely good team, a team that did not suffer a loss, um, a team that, you know, if they had gone, if they'd gone 12 and 0 with the win over Auburn, um, might've been able to claim like some nonsensical national championship in case some random outlet decided to, to, you know, hand it over to them. I, I think that that's, you know, worthwhile conversation. It's one that we're going to have on the site. Um, that's really the only one that you could potentially make a case for um, in terms of ti- international title teams um, beyond the 59 squad. Um, say if you're going to make a conference championship case, there's a few big East teams in there. Um, and more notably, um, perhaps for our current situation, uh, the uh, 2018 uh, football team, which, you know, wasn't that far away really from competing for national title somehow. Um, but if they had just been able to hold on against Clemson, uh, would have ended up in the ACC title game, and who knows what could happen from there. Yeah, yeah. Who, who? Uh, I told this in my mind. Who won the uh, the Coastal that year? Was it? Uh, that was. Is this someone different every year? It's been someone different every year. So that would have been not Virginia, not UNC, not Duke, uh, Pitt, Pitt. Oh yeah, and we uh, did we beat Pitt that year? No, we lost to them the week oh. after the Clemson game in overtime. Right. Yes. I mean, I think there was a very, yeah, it's, it's, you hold it against Clemson and honestly, like, you know, that pit team wasn't, didn't blow us out and was decent, but not great. Like it is crazy how close we were to being like weirdly in the, like, I don't know that we would have gotten anything. We probably would have gotten jumped by other teams because that people wouldn't have been sold on us. But um, it's, it's strange how, how close we were, especially after beating Clemson the year before, um, it would have been very interesting. At least we would have been a huge bull, and whether or not we would have deserved it, I mean, it's, it's one thing. Hopefully, we wouldn't embarrass ourselves. But um, it's—I think we're going to look back in a couple more years, and we're even farther away from it, and be like, "Oh wow, yeah, we were." That was just a very strange year because it doesn't feel like we were that that good, but we were really close to making serious, serious noise. Yeah, and really, like if you look at um, just how the bowl rotation worked, like if not for the fact that we just picked the wrong year to be the second best team in the ACC, like we would have been in the orange bowl. And I don't necessarily think we would have been much more highly ranked, but if we've been able to knock off, um, you know, a big 10 or an SEC team, um, in that, in that year's orange bowl, like there's a chance that, that we're ranked even higher than, than the 15th that we ended up both polls. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
Yeah, and and that's just uh, you know, I think that year helped us, but I think that would have really taken things to the next level in terms of like what it meant for the program. Um, and you know, who knows how much that means if we have the same 2019 as we did? Maybe recruiting would fit up even more or whatever. So it's uh, the football. It's, you can really trace things back, but I, it's it's still hard to know exactly where things lie or how much 2018 is being treated as like a fluke year versus like something to be built upon, um, which is frustrating. I mean, I personally think, and I know we've discussed this a little bit here and there. Um, I think that the 2018 season um, was written off by opponents recruiting against us as a fluke. Um, and I think the framing largely worked. Uh, and then, and then SU went out and did what was needed to make sure that the, that messaging worked, which was go five and seven um, and look, pretty bad doing it um, for much of the season. I, I would say that like now, like that's what makes this season so important among other reasons. But this one in particular is that if you find a way to go six and six, seven and five, um, then I don't think it eliminates the fluke conversation, but I think what it does is it reframes it to look what happens when things can go right and look what you can build and be a part of you know, long-term as part of this football program. And, and, and this is what we want to get back to. And, and even if we're, you know, there every few years, we pick the right year. Look, we were like, we'd upset Clemson, whatever, like, you know, kids aren't necessarily diving into that minutia um, in terms of like, what if for, for a season, but you know, if you show them like, Hey, four out of five years, we won at least six games. And then one of those years you won 10, like you want to be part of that 10 win team. Like th- that's something you can start selling kids, especially in a power conference. Um, and right now, like we just, we have more work to do on that front, obviously. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's almost like going back to like the Maroon years, you have the, the two bowls in three years, the last, the, the 2012 team looked like it was really taking a, a legitimate step forward. It was probably better than, um, better than its ranking and whatnot. I actually think the 2012 team, I think the 2012 versus 2018 team is pretty interesting to me, um, which like was actually the better team. Yeah, I, I buy that. I think that the 2012 team had probably more pro talent on it, at least developed pro talent, um, especially on the line. I, I think that it was, I think that the coaching staff was better uh, for sure. And they're better developers because like they weren't yeah, yeah, yeah. plugging into like this system that's like designed. I think the system, I like Dino's more, although the last year was was really fun. I think they started to figure something out and we've talked about that at length. Like the the process at which like that season came together mid year like a weird like reset, um, but I think uh, I think the Maroon staff is better at developing and like I think was starting to I think I, I will always just wonder how that recruiting class would have looked um, with like Gus Edwards and company had Maroon not left like I think we really would have broken broken like that that weird ceiling we have on our recruiting. Uh, that year and whether or not that maintains is, is another question, but at least we would have done it once and proven that we could. Right. I mean, realistically, like, I guess if you hire, if you end up hiring Scott Schaefer as the head coach next year anyway, and he still brings in the, 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 the whole band like that he did and, and the inexperience that a lot of them had, I think all that gets squandered fairly quickly. Um, but at the same time, like you, you do give Schaefer and crew credit for, identifying a lot of talent early that just they couldn't close on because, and this is Syracuse's problem, you know, across the board for football, like no matter who's coach is that once you're in on someone and they realize that you guys are really good at identifying talent early um, because you kind of have to, and that's your best chance to hold on to a blue chip guy. 
is if you're in on them early and you seem dedicated and loyal to him is that like all, you know, all these uh, blue bloods hone in on that. And, you know, you have your Florida States and Tennessees and and most of the SEC and, and a bunch of the big 10, like wait for SU and, and, and similar schools to make offers and then see if they can hold on. Um, and, and, and many a time they can't like, I, I think that, the Schaefer era obviously got nailed by that. It got nailed by some other things too that we won't get into because we have hundreds of times. Um, but they did close on some guys that ended up turning into real talents, um, albeit with a different coach, uh, Eric Dungy being the most notable of those, um, along with Steve Ishmael, some others. Like there's, there's, there's a case to be made that we maybe end up in the same spot, but I think the height under Marone would have been higher and that would have helped, that would have helped curb like what happened between 2014 and 2015 probably. And maybe those depths aren't as low. I also wonder if like you have a 2013, obviously went to a bowl that year. So there was a decent floor. Um, and if you're bringing in that recruiting class, you have Marone, who was a steadier hand guiding it. You have Hackett stay on as offensive coordinator. And maybe he would have left for another job, but like, you're just assuming that the, that the crew stays together. So you actually have a full year in that system. Like maybe your 2013 looks like, what our 2018 did and, you know, maybe Marone still leaves, but I, I almost wonder if at that point gross might've been a little more ambitious into who he hired rather than I thought, you know, at the time, I think we were pretty happy with keeping Schaefer all things considered, but I do wonder if we would have been like, okay, like Schaefer's great, but like we just won nine or 10 games. Uh, we made a second really nice bowl season in a row. Let's try to actually meet, like really build on this versus just like keeping the status quo and possibly losing our offensive coordinator in the process. Yeah, I think the status quo stuff was because of how late it was in the process too. I mean, obviously, like if if, if after a year five, Marone decided to leave, like after the regular season, um, then I think you have enough time to make a more like ambitious hire and and expect a recruiting class to stay together. I think the idea was that Schaefer was going to show continuity with Marone. Unfortunately, though, a Marone only won eight games in that you know as his peak even though that 2012 team is actually pretty good um, and B like Schaefer really didn't hold on to much of that, you know, what would have been a, a pretty well considered um, 2013 recruiting class. So like once those two things, you know, come into play, you, you probably make a different decision, but you can definitely make that different decision. Um, if, if this all, you know, comes about in, in early December or late November uh, versus, you know, when it did come about, which was almost new year's day. Yeah, that's definitely part of it as well, which is tough because that's, you know, generally speaking, college coaches don't go to the NFL that often. Like, it seems like a lot more, but it's not even one a year. So it's kind of a tough, uh, it's a tough situation to handle, especially when you're in Syracuse, where you really don't expect that to be the case. Like, maybe if you're in Alabama or uh, in Oklahoma or something, like, that's a possibility. But usually, eight and five Syracuse doesn't lose its head coach to, to NFL. Obviously, Marone's background gave a little more weight to that, but... Um, definitely not an easy situation to handle. So I, I think we all understood when they made the Schaefer hire, but it's very easy at this point to, to wonder what could have been uh, in so many different directions. Maybe if we would have had a team uh, like that, that would have also been on that list of, of uh, potential <laughs> champions of some sort. I mean, I don't think ACC champions in 2013, but like, who knows? Like it's, uh, it's tough to, it's, it's really tough to know. That's that's why we do this, though. It's it's it's, it's all for the content. Um, Dan, why don't we talk a little bit about beer before we uh, move on to our other topics today? 
Cool. Yeah, I've been sticking with uh, kind of going through the whatever's available at the one grocery store I've been going to here in Columbia scene, but I picked up a couple of new things this week. I had a Punch Talk Pilsner from Steel Hands, which uh, I've also been still been drinking the Tropical IPA, which is really wonderful. Um, I could drink a lot of that stuff. Uh, the Pilsner, um, not my favorite style, as, as you know, but it's uh, really refreshing, easy to drink. Uh, so everything I look for in a Pilsner, at least. And I also grabbed a downtown door knocker pineapple hazy IPA from Palmetto Brewing, which I think is down in Charleston. Um, pretty good. Uh, I think the Tropical from Steel Hands is better. Uh, but uh, nice pineapple flavor, uh, pretty hoppy. Um, so solid beer. So I'm enjoying sampling the rest of the wares. There's, there's a decent amount that's available at that, uh, that one Publix that I'm allowing myself to get down to like once a week. So I'm going to continue to sample the local wares as much as I can. Very nice. Uh, not a ton for me. I had my last bottle of uh, Russian River uh, Velvet Glow, their uh, Hell's Lager uh, that they recently put out. Um, I had some Hello LA uh, IPA from Highland Park. Um, managed to get a delivery of that. I was really excited about. Um, had some more crossbow pills. I ordered another four pack from them. Um, and then also had a, a 2016 bottle of uh, Cuddlebug from uh, Smog City. It's their uh, apricot uh, sour. I think it's apricot. And I forgot what else. Oh, peach and apricot. Um, yeah, it's a sour blonde, peach and apricot. Uh, I've talked about this beer numerous times over the years. It's one of my favorite beers. Um, brewed in LA 2016 holds up really well it's not too tart actually like mellowed maybe a little bit um, definitely enjoyable um, if they have more 2016 bottles I might have to uh, to jump in on that nice but uh oh, so the breweries just seem I mean we talk about this now a lot too the breweries seem to be doing pretty well as far as I can tell I know my friend's brewery up in uh, Albany has obviously just been doing takeout but they've been selling a bunch so uh, that's the good thing that, that that beer drinkers have not slowed down their beer consumption uh, to to help out the the local economies. Yeah, I mean, some breweries better than others. I think we're going to hear a lot about you know ones that might not have been able to survive, and that's going to suck in many ways. But I feel like the the ones that are already pretty established, the ones that have fan bases and and have you know the ability to to handle local deliveries, I, I, that's what we're really seeing. Like. At first, people were going shipping, and 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 that was like a case by case basis. So it was a little bit hard for you to like, if especially if you're just the only person like drinking in your house, um, or if someone lives alone, like you end up what you're going to buy a case of beer. That's like that's a hell of a lot of beer um, for you know one person. And if you're drinking IPAs, you want to drink that within a couple weeks usually. Like so, instead of having to lay down a hundred plus dollars for a case, I think a lot of breweries at least around here are starting to do the uh the local delivery route and just having a truck or two trucks um or just like a, really just somebody's like larger car um <laughs> deliver for for you know every afternoon and just get stuff out and um you know that's what happens when when folks are willing to relax the laws a little bit around alcohol distribution um i don't think we'll see all of this stay in place but i do think that it it could provide a, a reasonable path forward if um, if these breweries see it as something that's just as profitable as having people in the door all the time. Yeah, just to, it's being able to experiment, like kind of be entrepreneurial and, and find out different things that work. And you know, obviously I don't think this has been a good thing for pretty much any small business, but at least like kind of forcing people out of their comfort zones to see what works and ended up having some some decent side effects. Yeah, we'll see. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. Also, at least. Yeah, I'm excited, but also scared about uh, what we're going to hear about next. Yeah. 
Um, one thing I want to talk about, this is like a week away, but I did want to note um, the ACC is having their like ACC network takeovers every week, uh, every day uh, starting this week. Um, so we have our day, but not this week. It'll be next week, Friday, the 24th, I believe. That sounds right uh, from a numbers perspective. Um, so yeah, we'll get to watch, uh, some fun games from Syracuse past. Unfortunately, however, um, a, they didn't really do a great job of like representing sports. Um, B, they didn't pick any big East games, which is lame because, uh, Louisville picked a big East game, actually one where they beat us the uh, 2013, uh, big East championship game. Um, and also like just the games, they even just like the games they picked um in here aren't great um assuming this doesn't change um we got syracuse notre dame game which i'm assuming because they're at least on the current listing there's no years i think i feel like espn doesn't fix that until like week of for some reason um so we're looking at syracuse notre dame from this year the win not the loss um you you, you, you would hope I mean, honestly, like if you look at the ACC network schedule in recent weeks, that Notre Dame Syracuse game that we lost has been on no less than like three times a week <laughs> for, for God knows why. Um, the North Carolina Syracuse game that we won um, the ACC tournament this year, um, Duke versus Syracuse, which I'm assuming is maybe the record crowd game. I don't know. Where, Did it be the win last year? It's well, we're at home. Are we done? Okay, so... so it's probably. I'm gonna assume it's the record crowd game. If I had to guess, um, that was like the overtime win. Um, there's the Syracuse pit, pit game. This is probably the the NS shot, and as long as it is, that's fine. That's a good choice. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this. Oh, that game's kind of frustrating. Like that game <laughs> until that, that, until that point of being a really like annoying first loss of the season <laughs> against a team that we all thought it would be. Yeah. No, that, that, that was an incredibly aggravating game until it wasn't. Um, I remember watching it with my buddy at work and running around the office afterward. It's after like two or three games where like, you could really tell like maybe not the wheels were coming <laughs> wheels, off. The wheels like, were about to they were, they were They were flopping and we're like, we're undefeated. We're number one in the country. We can't be upset. Like, Get it's really annoying, dumb to be upset. But... Like, we had just, what, stuck by NC State the, the game before that, like, with a pretty big the comeback. Maryland game, too, was, like, dumb as shit. It was, it was really, like, you could tell the team was, was like, starting to uh, to get, like, a little bit exposed. Uh, and that pay game, like, was hit, like, the 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 real limits of that. <laughs> and oh, then I think we lost. Did we lose the next game? I think we, we must have. We, we did. We, I think it was maybe the next game or one of the next like couple games because it was BC was that and BC of oh, course picked, BC picked that game for, uh, for their day of course uh, yeah of course so little has happened to Boston College uh, but yeah we had that um, I think the second Syracuse Duke game is the Gillen shot if I had to guess um, okay. the, I was we're just assuming it's just like we can't get any more information than what God forbid they put a God forbid they put a date on this. Um, Dan, if you're looking at the link that I put up, um, this is in Pacific time. So the Florida State Virginia game is actually the following day, in case you were confused. 
Um, the women's basketball game is this year's upset over Florida State. Um, I'm not sure why only that game and not also the Louisville upset. Um, or instead of. Yeah, it actually would have been cool to get like some other spike. I, I appreciate there's like a women's basketball and couple soccer games on here, but like we couldn't have gotten some lacrosse games. Like we couldn't have gotten some not, other a single, ball, not a single lacrosse game. Yeah, not, I mean. Not the women's uh, field hockey championship, like the actual national title that we won on ESPN. Yeah, it's Network. just super lazy, and like I, they're so heavily like tilted towards like the last couple of years. Um, I don't know, it just didn't like there was very little. Assuming this is a schedule it sets, like very little, uh, like uh, effort. Just <laughs> it just effort put in and creativity. Yeah, like realistically, like I understand we haven't really played that well in the ACC tournament, but like there's a lot of. Why other is the things. Florida State Virginia football game on here? Oh, that that was that was noted. That was what I was referring to earlier. Was that since oh. this is specific time, the that okay. Virginia game is yeah starts off the the day before the next day. Okay, all right. I was I I thought you meant the uh, Florida State men's basketball game. The, uh, no, that one too. Yeah, yeah. Both of them are on there. Are, are, are oh, qualify for that? Okay, I didn't even notice that was also a Florida State Virginia basketball game. Okay, that makes more sense. Carry yeah. on, carry on. <laughs> so, so yeah, you point out the fact that we only have one football game on here. Um, which is Clemson, the Clemson game, which is like the obvious choice. But like Virginia Tech game, um, the bowl game also, last year. Yeah, last year's bowl game that was also on an ESPN network. <laughs> even the even the Texas Bowl was fun. Texas Bowl like, would have been fun. The, the, BC, the BC game from two, uh, 2013 would have been kind of fun. Um, the Virginia Tech win. Um, yeah, like like last year's Wake Forest game. Like I I wouldn't I wouldn't want to relive any part of that season. But like, but that's like an option. I mean, the, the game we, this year because we just like put up a million points. The like, NC State a- game from uh, 2018. That was yeah, a that was a prime tank. Like, dude, if, if it's me, I'm putting on. I'm to be honest, I'm putting on the the bowl game from last year, and I'm probably putting on the West Virginia game 2011. <laughs> That's the other thing. I get they want to do ACC era stuff. Although, didn't you say that Louisville, Louisville is showing their Big though. East? Their yeah, big Louisville East championship? beating us. Yeah, which we were both in the Big East. <laughs> right. Like, and like, like, we have this option. I, I just feel like nobody looked and they're like, oh, we got to pick ACC game shit. And then like proceeded to just like list out. Like, like I guarantee somebody like sent an email and said like, what, what's like the ACC game that you actually want to watch again? <laughs> Like, I get wanting to be ACC-centric and, like, maybe putting in Big East tournament games is, like, kind of defeating the purpose. But if you actually want to make this a Syracuse day, like, we're, we're, we're in the conference. Like, we're not – there are some people who don't want to be, but, like, most people are on board now. Let's put in some Jerry tournament run games. Let's put in the six overtime game. That eats up a lot of time for you. Right. Um, let's put in, uh, like, a couple of other key games from, like, 2010, 20, uh, 2012 – um, mix it up, throw in more football, throw in like the 09 lacrosse national championship, which was, which was on somewhere the other day. Um, I think it might have been on ESPNU, um, but it's Cornell. Um, like some, did, some did, did lacrosse didn't come up when I looked at when I'm searching. I feel like ESPN someone was U definitely watching it the other day and, and sent me like a, a Instagram chat or something. About That's it. fun, yeah. So it was somewhere, um, I don't know where, but uh. Yeah, this, yeah, this is so easy. Then, like the men's soccer game, the only one on there is uh, is last year's win over North Carolina, and not even the postseason win over North Carolina. Yeah, that game was on a couple like weeks ago, as I saw it yeah. on ACC Network looking through. That was really um, on. And then, like a Syracuse win over Colgate in, in women's soccer, which is just like why? 
Yeah, it's just like it's just very lazily thrown together. And like, yeah, some of these would be fun rewatches, but it also isn't that hard to just like, hey, you're at ESPN, tap like one of every three people on the shoulder, and they might they're probably a Syracuse person, and can probably point you in the direction of someone who would know how to pro- program this better or like do it themselves. Yeah. Also, like, I feel like you can look at the list and you can see which like teams cared and which didn't pretty easily. And we should be on that list of teams that don't. No, I, I agree. And I also think that, like, you could have made this day a lot better by showing, like, condensed broadcasts. Yeah, the condensed broadcasts, we've been watching, like, some old NBA games. It's a game changer. It's like you're getting, like, full quarters between commercials. It's awesome. Like, we were watching uh, uh, so one of the Celtics, uh, one of the Celtics-Lakers final games from uh, a couple years ago. It was, was great to watch. Like, not, you know, I don't care about, like, honestly, who won that, that series, but uh, we were watching some old Jordan Jazz games. Like, being able to, like NBA TV is doing a really, really good job. Yeah, the NBA is doing a great job with that. Like, they've been put, making that available digitally. The ACC actually has a lot of condensed games um, that they've been distributing in recent years, especially for football. Like, to me, like, I just think there's a lot more games you could have fit in here. And I think fans would appreciate, like, a one-hour just, like, crunching a, a, of a game where they got yeah, to see, like, all the high points. Oh, another one that would have easily been would would have really really been easy to put on here because they're both ACC teams now. Um, the Louisville game where we beat Teddy Bridgewater. Oh yeah, that would have been a blast. Incredible game, um, like fun Syracuse blowout, but like close enough where it was still like interesting to watch against the top um, ten team. Yeah. So once again, in in true history of uh, this podcast, uh, Dan and John uh, discussed what they would have done better than the powers of P. <laughs> Like, I hope somebody's listening, not because I don't want them to get mad at me, just because, like, if you guys are faced with this, dead ass, like, we won't tell anybody. We just won't complain about it. If you just ask us, just ask us. If you if ask us, DM, we'll we were thrilled to do this with no credit. We yeah, were, yeah. We were very excited. Zero, absolutely zero credit. If, if you would ask we would, us, what we would have done been. is we would have been like, wow, whoever did this did a really great job. And we <laughs> Way to really go, guys. About it. Yeah, we would have, like, you know, just added to <laughs> to death and, like, like you know, way to program this. This is great. Love my alma mater. And instead, now we're just annoyed. <laughs> oh god, it's like it's us. Like it's it's not terrible. Like at least they didn't put like some losses, but it's just like could have been so much better. It's not like we don't have some big sports wins recently. You you know that somebody you know that somebody at the ACC office, especially given how they've handled like everything since the Mellow Best Player win. Um, you you, you they never you, did announce that, right? No, never announced it, and <laughs> and they've gotten like so angry about everything else. Like even like their own like Twitter feed has gotten a little pissy about shit lately. Um, so I I honestly I honestly feel like somebody is waiting to like nail us on this, and they're gonna load up a loss. Like they like they're like they're gonna read the description and 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 plead uh and, and just plead like ignorance, and and they're gonna load up a loss. You can't get mad at at a fan base deciding to actively engage in your content. But like, you ask them to actively engage in. Yes. Sorry that we're good at voting for things. Like, it's not our fault that we care enough to annoy everyone else. Yeah, at least send out the tweet where the person won. That's yeah, the most just, bitter, just, like, finish the nonsense job. ever. And it was, I guarantee you, it was an NCC fan that was running that. Because, See, I don't like, think it was. I don't think it was. I, I think it was a Duke fan because based on based on how the response that came from the Duke basketball feed looks an awful lot like the like pissy kind of stuff coming from like the ACC's feed now. Like I wouldn't even uh, doubt if it was the same person. 
Should we just like tweet at them like once a year now to ask who won the 2020 uh, quarantine uh, based ACC greatest player of all time bracket? <laughs> like in 2023, just remind them to see if they have the results for us. I mean, I'm, I'm not above it. Just start scheduling stuff on TweetDeck. It'll work. That's fine to me. Yeah, I, I, I'm fine to do that once. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was absolutely fine with doing that. I'll do that once a month. Once a month. I was about to say, maybe once a month would be even better. I don't want to seem too thirsty, and I don't want to seem too thirsty. There was already a lot of Syracuse fans doing that. Oh, yeah, no doubt. But I think I think maybe wait, and then maybe do it in like August. Fair. Or wait till like the like like if we have the football season, like 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 the second that the ACC network is about to kick off (laughs) with the first game. The Clemson Georgia Tech game is anyway to start. He's like, oh, by the way, didn't Turnbella win that thing? That would that would be like yeah, like a reminder um, as games are about to kick off every Saturday. This is I know you might be ready for the twelve thirty for some reason kickoff of Virginia Duke, but let Hear us remind out. you <laughs> that Carmelo Anthony is the greatest ACC player of all time, as voted by the fans. Speaking of voting, uh, before we go, um, Fox Sports is having their uh, best college basketball program bracket. We are in the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, we're up against Texas Tech um, because, thankfully, Lehigh upset Duke uh, because Duke actually has no <laughs> fans. That's great. <laughs> So good. Shout out to real life when Lehigh ups at Duke. Um, and then uh, Texas Tech beat Lehigh uh, because all the people that were hate voting for Lehigh <laughs> decided to start voting um, for Texas Tech. I think a lot of those people have actually decided to carry on and see if they can knock us off now because uh, we're currently trailing Texas Tech last I looked. Um, yeah, so let's let's turn that. I know we, we exerted a lot of energy on the ACC one. Um, I believe it's Mark Titus and Tate, uh, formerly of the Ringer, running this. So I think they would enjoy giving us a win because we're very annoying and that sounded their brand. So uh, let's let's stuff the ballots again. Let's do this. Yeah, I'm down. Hear that, guys? Make burner accounts. It's fine. Let's do it. Let's get it rolling. We uh, we we've, we cruise through the first round. The second round against Gonzaga was way too close. I know they actually have some fans, so you know maybe it was just close naturally. But well, we I think it's a. I think with, with the Zags, it was a combo of hate. I think it was a combo of people that hate us and the Zags. And I said this in the comments about it. The Zags being one of like five fan bases that have like more like rampant, like disrespect radar than we do. Oh, yeah. It seems it should be dying down now where they're getting penciled in for one seeds no matter what. Like they can even lose now. Like they're getting treated like a power conference team, which I don't think is like inappropriate. They, they, proved it enough in March at this point after like years of getting knocked out. But like at some point you have to reel in the disrespect. Yeah. I mean, we haven't. Yeah. But we're not, we're <laughs> like, we're a different level. <laughs> I agree. us on our turf. <laughs> anyway, uh, I think that's a good place to end us. Dan, any, uh, anything else before we uh, bounce today? No, uh, happy to be on. Always good to talk. Uh, everyone keep on staying safe. And whatnot. We don't want to harp on this every week, but you know, it's important. So hopefully everyone's doing well. And uh yeah, have another good week. Agreed. Uh Dan, hope you stay safe. Everybody out there, hope you stay safe as well. Um, this has been Troy Noons and Absolute Podcast. You can rate review, subscribe on iTunes, on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, anywhere else to listen to the podcast. Really, the rate ratings and reviews are good um and do help us out quite a bit. Um, so please do that if you can and go orange. Orange. <laughs>